0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn or scroll to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to take our time in getting there, though I must say. So as I said earlier, uh, this week is a tremendous milestone for our church. This morning I want to take time to remember and reminisce of reminisce the difficulties and the heartaches that we have experienced, but my role as your shepherd is to gently move us forward and keep us moving forward. Never forgetting, obviously, grief knows no end, but never forgetting what we've walked through, but also fixing our eyes squarely on the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to embarrass him, but it was so nice to have Collins here during worship this morning. Uh, he had already said he was going to come just for the worship and then go home and rest. So um, for those of you who might be newer to our church, uh, this week is the one-year anniversary of two back-to-back, very sudden and unexpected deaths. A so dear. Sister in the Lord, Joyce Lynn, uh, one of our missionaries, and also a brother in Christ, uh, Joseph Sanders. The significance for us is those events were kind of the beginning of a string of very unexpected and very difficult losses that we as a congregation sustained. And they weren't really connected, some of them, to COVID at all. Some, of course, were. I want to take you back uh, to when we preached through the book of Ephesians during the pandemic. There's a very specific verse that I just want to flash up and kind of orientate ourselves towards this morning. You might know in the New Testament epistles, there's a pattern that Paul will often use. He'll give you chapters of theology And then he'll say, therefore, and he'll turn and he'll say, well, now here's how you live in light of these rich gospel truths. Ephesians is no different. Chapter four, verse one, after three staggering chapters of unbelievable gospel, rich theology. Paul says, as God's prisoner, then I beg you. To live lives worthy of your high calling. So I want to put this in context. That word worthy. To live in a manner worthy of your high calling. There's a sense to that word in which it means give equal weight to this. Give equal Weight, meaning in this case, three year, three chapters of gospel theology, who we are in Christ, what God has done for us in Christ. And then he says, let your life reflect those truths, give equal weight to both. Paul would say. Let our lives adorn our doctrine to Timothy. That is, there should not be an incongruence when it comes to what we believe and know is true of us, what has been done for us, and how we live day by day. There should be equal weight to the truth about us and what people see in us. Allow me to illustrate this, perhaps in a little bit of a humorous way. So when our family, our then family of four, became a family of five in the year 2000, when little drummer boy was born, Michael, we had a little Ford Escort. It was a manual stick shift station wagon, which was fun to drive. But what we discovered is we had Katie and Ashley kind of on the in the back seat, like on the sides, and everything was fine. But fitting a third car seat became a little problematic. Um, I made the mistake at first of kind of slamming the door because with three seats in there, it was like just bulging over a little bit. So you kind of had to force the doors to actually shut. So what I discovered as a dad was it was better to just gently come up and force the door shut versus jarring the poor kid that was on the side at the time. But that necessitated us at that point to graduate and buy a minivan. So... That minivan served us well. It was a Ford Windstar. Uh, if you've ever had a Ford Windstar, per chance, you might know that the engine is right up front and it revs. It's very loud, which served us well with little kids because, you know, you get in and they're gone. Um, but that van served its purposes. And at the time, we were living at Camp Bennett. Um, and when we needed to sell it, it was kind of getting uh, not advantageous to keep it with all the fixing that needed to be done. I said, you know what, I'm just going to park this at the end of our long driveway right on 97 there. Put a sign on it. Put an asking price. that I don't think anyone will take, but I'm not in a rush to sell it. We'll just see how that goes. That day, that day, a German guy showed up. That will play predominantly in this story as well. That day, a German guy showed up in a leather jacket and he said, I want to buy your van. I said, okay. Uh, He said, I like to drive it. I said, of course. So we got into the van and it did dawn on me. It's like, this is a complete stranger and I'm entrusting my life, not to mention the van, to him. So he gets in like a pilot. He gets himself comfortable, makes sure everything is good, takes out his Ray-Bans, puts them on and he turns to me and he says, let's go in his German accent. What happened next was something I will never, ever forget. This guy clearly has done a little driving on the Audubon. And if you know, if you know Georgia Avenue in Brookville, it's kind of windy and hilly. I have never, ever seen a minivan move so quickly. And he was jerking it, it was a straight line, and he was going like this, about 20 miles over the limit, just to test it. What I discovered, as I was holding on for dear life, when we finally got to a stop sign, I was kind of surprised he actually stopped, but he turned to me and he said, I am a grandfather. He says, my wife wants me to buy a minivan. I said, oh, that okay. He said, she does not like how I drive our sports car with the grandbabies in the back, and nor does my daughter. I said, well, now it is all clear to me what I have just experienced. I will drive us home. Thank you very much. (laughs) Would you know he gave me full asking price? But here's the thing. We talk about equal weight. Our life should match our doctrine. In this case, now you might think it's an upgrade, but this guy's driving did not match what you would expect in a minivan. If we're honest, right? There's a certain perception that you likely have when it comes to how a minivan would be driven versus his Maserati, he said. But it didn't matter to him. He was going to drive it this way. Now, like I said, you might view that as an upgrade for a minivan. But it doesn't quite match. What I want for us, as we consider what we have walked through and continue to comfort those in their grief... As we collectively begin to move forward, let our lives match what we know is true, what God has done for us. In our time of troubles, may we have the deep peace. And the hope of the gospel bring us joy in all that we do. So let me take you back a little bit to memory lane. We pull up the next slide. We had the privilege of sending our own Joyce Lynn to commission and send her as a missionary pilot and IT specialist to Papua, India. That was about a 10-year process for her. For those of you who know her, you know she was ridiculously gifted and intelligent. I mean, there was virtually nothing she couldn't do. I had the honor of flying out with her parents and sister to Idaho when she was commissioned as an, an MAF missionary. This ver—this is actually the bookstore that you're looking at. It was in that bookstore that I wanted to purchase this one of my favorite shirts. Her dad refused to let me purchase it, and he also said, "I want you to get another one." So I got another one that's very meaningful to me. It's—it's it's, uh, one that highlights the Congo, which is where my grandparents lived for 30 years, uh, established leprosy clinics and such. That I'm also very attached to. Joyce as you can imagine. Was more than just a pilot. She took. Such individual. Care for everyone. That she came across. In her very short. Time as a pilot. I'm simply telling you. Look at the love the people had for her. About a month or so before her plane crashed, she posted this beautiful picture of Lake Santani. In fact, there are multiple pictures of this. This is right next to the air park or the airport. It was so beautiful. And that is where her plane would crash about a month later. There were such touching tributes that were laid down for her. This picture was taken of the runway that she was actually flying to in a remote village. She was carrying school supplies and rapid COVID tests for a remote village. The flowers and the remembrances came pouring in. This is where she was buried. You need to know that her parents, because of international COVID restrictions, have not yet seen or visited their daughter's grave site. To say this was a shock for us is just an understatement. But we trust the Lord. We trust in his sovereignty. And we know that she continues to touch people there so deeply, which I hear routinely. Just this past week, mail continues to come in from people to her parents that we pass on to her parents wanted to let you know as well, just in broad terms, her sister let me know that uh, she had actually left some money to Durwood in her will. Um, She was now administrating that. And uh, I asked the elders if we would consider uh, taking that money and actually applying it directly uh, to the sickle cell clinic that we are constructing in Nigeria. Um, And I... Asked uh, her family if they would be happy with that, and uh, they said absolutely yes. That would be a big blessing, and um, they even kicked in a little bit more uh, to help with that. And so we're so thankful for that, saints. I want to take you back. When I received the call, it was about 9:30 at night about Joyce. Um, I immediately called certain people that I knew were very very close to her, Mike Barr. Uh, The bars, uh, the bishes, and so forth. So it was a late night for me. 142 that morning, I received a phone call uh, from Sudharma uh, letting me know that uh, Joseph had passed away. He had a very uh, quick onset of cancer and uh, had passed away much quicker than they had ever expected. They've attended our church for 18 years. As I shared before, uh, they received a visa lottery from Sri Lanka. This past January would have been 20 years for Joseph in our country. This is their 34-year anniversary picture. Here is a selfie of the whole family. A few of us gathered Uh, with them last night, with with his family, just to enjoy some of Sudharma's ridiculously good food. (laughs) But to sit with them in their grief and pray with them. I, I told them again that one of the most profound memories I have was the funeral, which is really outdoors at the graveside. That was it. There was a limit of 10 at the time. Um, it was basically just me and them and one very close family friend. As we were, as I was sharing at that time, I turned and there were about 10 people walking up the sidewalk. It was Joseph's colleagues and the cemetery director turned to me and he said, you need to tell them to leave. They'll shut me down. Can't have more than 10 people gathered. Imagine that for a moment. I mean, they did everything right. They were distanced, masked, all of those things. That's a tremendous burden. To have a loved one pass away and not have your church family be able to gather and remember and support you. Saints, that Sunday I came in and I preached to a concrete floor with full faith that you guys were watching from the camera. These are the times that we've walked through. So now we're going to look at, it at Hebrews chapter 11. A very wise counselor told me years ago when I was a children's pastor, he was a children's counselor. He said the New Testament talks about, uh, you know, considering uh, things that have happened to us before moving on. And he brought out kind of the Greek meaning of the word. He said it's kind of like this, this salt shaker here. He said, you, you look at it, you observe it, you take in what it is, but then by God's grace, you put it down and, and you continue on, right? You don't just continue on and ignore what you've experienced, but at the same time, you don't stay there for the rest of your life. So the text that the Lord uh, brought to my mind that I want to share with you this morning is Hebrews chapter 11 and into chapter 12. Same concept here. There's 11 chapters of dense theology. And then he turns into chapter 12 and there's a therefore in light of all of this, this is how you are to live. There's a bit of a transition. Chapter 11 is known as the hall of fame of faith. But I want you to see how, how in the book of Hebrews, that therefore kind of says, okay, now in light of what you've learned, this is how you are to live. Look at how he closes out verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 39. All of these, speaking of these Old Testament saints, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That is, we should become the complete whole with them it is said of them that the world was not worthy of them for the persecution that they faced and the contradiction of sinners that they lived through on a regular basis but remember this was before christ they did not have the full blaze of glory that we have of the gospel and of the shed blood of our lord and savior jesus christ and yet they chose hardship Over comfort. Chapter 12. Verse 1. Here's your therefore. Therefore. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us also lay aside every weight. And sin. Which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance. The race that is set. Before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinner such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood just like all of those in chapter 11 did. And we'll leave it there. So I simply want to highlight three very specific points from this short passage. And like I said, this is my attempt to shepherd us through this difficult time, never forgetting what is behind. But by God's grace, moving forward with confidence and with joy. The first little sermon point is this. Know your company. What the author is pointing us to here is this. Chapters 1 through 10 or 11, like I said, unbelievably soaring gospel truths. The hope that is before us. And he highlights these Old Testament saints in chapter 11 who suffered deeply For their faith, and yet they did not have the clear picture that you and I have of the gospel and of Christ and what is before us. Saints, we have suffered great loss this year. It has been An exhausting year across the board. The mental health issues. As a result of the lockdowns. Let us draw from the deep well of our Christian hope and joy. And resolve to live 100% for him. Let us be good news to those around us. Yes, we have suffered loss, but we cherish a hope within us. Christ lives in us. We know what our eternity holds. Let that be That which drives and directs us and gives us strength for each new day. Second, what did the author say? Immediately after turning that corner like a hinge on a door. Remember in Ephesians, it was three chapters of doctrine. And then he says, therefore... Live your life in a manner worthy of your calling. Everything that I have just spoken to you. The author here says this. Set your focus. Set your eyes on Christ himself. Get rid of the distractions. And the weights that hold you down. There's no track runner on earth who competes with ankle weights around his or her ankles. Why would they do that? It just holds them back. And that's what he's saying here. And sin, do not deal lightly with sin. You will be tempted. Your flesh will pull you until the day you see Christ face to face. Accept that. As John Owen said in the 1600s, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. It's going to go one way or the other, saints. Don't forget that. Be on your alert, be on guard, and take it seriously. The world needs spirit-filled followers of Christ who are keeping in step with the spirit, Galatians 5. That's Colin's favorite verse. Remember the suffering and the contradiction of sinners that our Lord and Savior faced each and every day. You have been born again. You've been given a new heart to gladly serve the Lord, to follow him, to honor him. And if you haven't discovered yet, the truth and the convictions that you hold, that you are now growing in, that you will base your life on, do not exactly line up with what culture says is okay. Count on it. Saints, what does he say? Run your race. I cannot explain to you why the Lord took Joyce home what I would consider to be way early. I cannot explain to you why Sudharma is a widow. But I can tell you this. She has her race to run. I have my race to run. I am not guaranteed of another day. I know that full well. And neither are you. Run your race well do not grow weary or faint-hearted but renew yourself in him and in the joy of the lord every single day you need it i need it that's where our strength comes from i am so thankful that things are beginning to open up in our area Remember, as you know, there are other parts of the world that are still being pummeled by the virus. The Brazilians, as I've said many, many times, have been hit so hard and continue to be hit hard. And yet, in their ministry reports that I see every single day, there is... They have determined to serve their community. They've just shifted in what they can do. They know they can't really gather at this point. So what they do is they gather food and they deliver it door to door, home to home, in their communities, in their villages, and so forth. And you know what? Just yesterday, a guy named Jose was baptized in the river. The Lord is working. And he's using humble saints like you and me in the face of difficulty to get the job done, and to make disciples of all nations. India, I hope you are keeping them in your prayers. You will remember Pastor Kadari that we have supported for years and years and years, who is now with the Lord. We support his son. Just yesterday, they took in 30 kids off the street. You know how challenging that is? When the virus is so strong and so contagious. But they are doing what they can to give relief and shelter to kids who are being abandoned on the street. Pray for them. What an example for us. That they would run to those who are hurting and not turn a blind eye. Third. Keep pushing forward. Saints, as you know, in our area, things are beginning to open up. It is our intention to begin providing kids' own children 's Sunday school on Sunday mornings. I know that you youngsters have been delighted to sit and listen to me all this time. Uh, we have a few things a few hurdles to uh, to pass, but um, that is in the works during this time this past year some have been present lately some are still at home some have moved some bless the Lord have joined us during this time when we all begin to get together again things will look a little bit different praise the Lord for that this is where we are now as a church I want to keep this very practical. Many of our ministries will need to be kind of rebooted and rebuilt from the ground up. As I said, some have moved. Things will look a little different. Different people are here now. Our focus absolutely will be relational discipleship relationships 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 what I have learned more strongly than I've ever seen before is the absolute necessity of fellowship in the Christian life you cannot do it alone that's just those are facts it's not meant to be done in isolation I am so thankful For what I have seen and experienced this past year, things obviously have looked different. And yet, I myself and others have found creative ways to gather together, usually outside, have gathered together over Zoom, whatever, to make sure the best that we can, we are staying connected and not isolated. We will begin Uh, We will need to rebuild some ministries uh, from the ground up. Kids Own will be one of them. I just want to put a little pitch. We've talked about Joyce this morning, our little global outreach team. There's five of us. We would love to have a few more. People who have a heart for supporting the gospel going out to the world and supporting those who are doing so, whether indigenous Servants, or whether people who are sent out from this or another congregation. We don't have a whole lot of meetings. It's not a hard lift. If that is something that interests you, please let me know. We'd love to tell you more. In the weeks to come, uh, we'll talk about different ministries that could really use some help um, as we care for each other. But, Saints, I am simply leading you with this, leaving you with this word push forward. You're going to hear that in a few moments uh, from Joyce's, the president of of MAF. Push forward. It will take all of us working together uh, to create a place where we can grow together in the Lord, where we can support one another, and also, as Hebrews says, stimulate one another towards joy, towards love, and good deeds. So we elders are meeting this Tuesday And uh, we'll discuss our path forward, Uh, but we are well aware that uh, in nine days, I think it is, uh, Montgomery County will essentially lift all of the restrictions. And so we want to move forward in a wise fashion um, and facilitate uh, the needs that are before us this morning. So that is a good word uh, for this morning. I commend to you this passage, the end of Hebrews 11. Into chapter 12. Next week, we will resume our study in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 7. So, I'd like to take just a moment of quiet reflection before I close us in a word of prayer. Um, I just invite you before the Lord uh, to bow your head and um, take a few moments of quiet. I understand we have junior members. I'm not in the least bit concerned for the background noise. For me, it just makes my heart glad. So, Uh, Let's take some time quietly before the Lord just to reflect, to worship, to ask him how he would have us, you, uh, serve within this congregation. Good word from Romans 10, the word of faith. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. With the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He continues, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Saints, that need is true in Montgomery County. It is true around the world. We are privileged to participate in the ministry of the gospel locally, in our families, our neighborhoods, our places of work, and so forth. And also to commission and support and partner with those who do so the world over, the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is exactly what Paul referenced in verse 9. Confessing and acknowledging that Christ is Lord, believing that he died and he rose again on your behalf. Believing that God raised him from the dead. He solved a problem that you and I could not solve our own. And it is but by faith. To accept and receive who he is and what he has done on our behalf. Completely separate from our own efforts, our works of righteousness, and so on and so forth. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says today is the day of your salvation. Do not put it off another moment. Saints, I know... That as we gather together personally and virtually as well. That there are many cares and concerns and worries on our hearts and on our minds. Difficulties, challenges, all of those things. I want to remind you. Jesus is Lord. He's the one that we serve. God has not and never will forsake his own. I want to encourage you. Even if it's baby steps to commit to serving the Lord, specifically within our congregation, wherever the Lord has you, be used by him. You have a tremendous hope living inside of you. Let's be good news to those who are around us. Let's pray together. With gracious heavenly father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for who you are for all that you have done in and through us thank you for the kindness that we are seeing within our own community thank you that we will still that we will soon be able to open things up gather more frequently Lord, we pray for your blessing upon this congregation as we begin the process of putting into place not only structures, but a culture of ministry that always points us to you, one in which we're discipling one another relationally, encouraging one another, edifying one another, helping one another, edifying our minds on the truth of God and growing in the knowledge and in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, our hearts go out to Mr. and Mrs. Lynn, to Amy and Katie, her sisters, to her whole family. On this one year anniversary of you taking her home. We pray for Sudharma, for Clara, for Meshach, as this is the very first day of year two without their beloved husband and father. Lord, as we continue on, we know that we will hit many milestones. We know that within our company there are those who grieve deeply. Carol and Richard and his family, Ryan and Jess. You don't have little Nathaniel at home with them. Lord, for those who are carrying deep burdens and loss and sorrow, strengthen them, we pray. Help us to the point that we, to the degree that we have been disconnected to reconnect. Help us As we each work through the weeks and the months ahead to be intentional as we are able to be connected with one another. So we can truly love one another, support one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. Thank you for the new faces we're seeing even this morning. Each week, it's so nice to see people who are again joining us in person. So, Father, we commit all of these things to you. Refresh, support, comfort, and encourage our hearts. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.